We are into the second month, at least from a calendar perspective, of the National Hockey League season into the fourth week of the campaign. It's been very eventful on the National Hockey League side, and we continue to make a little bit of inroads on the uh, amateur front. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison, standing by, along with Kevin Woodley, preparing everything on uh, that front as we look ahead to our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina VR today with the recently retired Jimmy Howard, who is one of us. He's uh, a former goalie, an old goalie, if you want to call him that. Uh, Jimmy Howard uh, is a really fun guest today as we reflect over his time with the Detroit Red Wings. And we'll also uh, spend some time, Woody, over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, Source for Sports Surrey, talking about neck protection and uh, Source for Sports Surrey, the Hockey Shop, all kinds of great things happening uh, with Cam and the fellas. Yeah, you know what? I got to hang out with uh, the folks at the Hockey Shop, but not at the Hockey Shop just the other day. Little tease on the ice, shooting some footage. All the new lines are starting to come in. We had Bowers, new Hyperlite gear out there. CCM with the E-Flex 5. Speaking of next protection, there's an exciting new one coming out in April. Uh, Lots of really exciting new sticks, pads, gloves. was really digging both the E-Flex 5 for some of the properties that we haven't yet been able to discuss publicly, but soon we'll be able to. Same with the Bauer Hyperlite. Um, I think those are going to be some really exciting lines this year. So had them out on the ice, did some photography in them, did some movement drills, did some sliding. Uh, it actually looked like goalies out there. It was awesome. And that's sort of why you go to the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. Cause it's not just, they're not just out there shooting marketing footage. Although we got some of that. They're out there trying to get a feel for the gear so that when you go to shop with them, you're going to know how it plays, how it performs, how it rotates on your leg, how that skate fits. Um, we had some new models out there. Is the pitch forward? Is the pitch backward? Are you, are you in a neutral angle? Are you really pitch forward? Is it, a, is it a really stiff boot? Is it softer? Those are the answers you get when you talk to the staff from the hockey shop and the hockeyshop.com. Because they play the position. They're not just out there playing around. They actually know what it is to be a goalie. They know how the, the equipment works and performs and whether it's going to suit your game. So make sure you check them out at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. And yes, make sure you keep an eye on the website for all the reviews coming up You know, into March and April for all the new lines. But in the meantime, don't forget everything else is on sale right now. A lot of sales around the store, including last week's warrior v1 stick line still heavily discounted at the hockeyshop.com but also if anything's not on sale roll in that in goal 20 discount promo and get yourself 20 percent off regardless i have a question about you and uh this equipment uh, but first i want to uh just follow it up uh how in far in advance would the hockey shop get the new gear before they can actually sell the new gear um, so they've, they've had hands-on and demos and in terms of like reps coming through with what we call PKs or product knowledge sessions, um, late last year. So they've seen it, uh, cam, uh, that's the beauty of going to the hockey shop is cam is actually, you know, sort of risen through the ranks of the broader source for sports in terms of the buying power and the group and the decisions they make about, you know, source specific, uh, specs on some of the goal equipment. So Cam's a guy who in non-COVID times would be flying to events like Bauer World, would be flying to Montreal, to the CCM factories to see their R&D, would be checking out all the manufacturers in person. And so 
you know, seeing this stuff as early as anyone outside of maybe us, Hutch, right? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink to all those trips back east. Um, and then they get them, you know, kind of now, like early, you know, this is, we're still, you know, February on the ice with them in February. You've still got sort of April and May are your launches for this year, depending on the brand. So two, three months ahead of time. And like I said, I love that, you know, Cam's out there in the gear the other day, uh, but he has his staff out there with him. Maybe not every single guy, because not everyone's full time. But then they they talk about it. They go through it. They talk about the lines, how it plays, how it performs, what they like, what they don't like, um, things that they think are going to work for certain styles and other things that work for for you know different styles. So it's kind of cool to see that process play out, and it's cool to see how passionate they are about it. Hutch, uh, you have been through this uh, hundreds of times when he goes through gear for the first time and seeing it for the first time. What uh, did you have a, a favorite? Would you go straight to the pads? The the gloves what what would you go to first when you saw a new product line uh it's definitely the pads um i i think the the biggest innovation stands out there and of course we're all excited about the design so um i go there even though woody loves to go to the hockey shop all the time and massage the gloves and make sure that they're all broken in appropriately and see what fits his hand best uh secondary for me for some reason but uh what about you darren uh, yeah, I'm glad too. I'm, I'm yeah. right there with uh, with Woody. And Woody, was that the first time you've been on the ice? Curious. Yeah, that's the first time I've been on the ice since March. But I should throw a caveat out there, Darren. I was out there in in videographer and photography mode, not in full gear uh, mode. So sadly, still haven't stopped a puck in ten. Must have really killed you. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Um, I was just gonna say though, to go back to Hutch's, I think one of the reasons he goes to the pads and not the gloves is because even though they will order you uh, a full adult glove with a kid size intermediate palm, they don't tend to carry a lot of them in stock. <laughs> and so Hutch has a little trouble closing the big boy gloves on the wall. Sometimes. Buddy, you could you could chirp me all you want about that, but that's literally what I ordered last time. <laughs> Your hands are that tiny? Oh yeah, baby hands. Wow. Yeah, baby feet too, but I'm just little. Yeah, no wonder you didn't make it. That's the only reason. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, if yeah. you would just uh, just uh, extend those fingers uh, a little bit. The, pro- uh, the problem is, I'm so old. They actually had five foot eight goalies in the NHL when I played. <laughs> Remember the the gloves that uh, that didn't have the webbing in them, like that. That yeah, just looked- that was the GM. 12 right no that 12? was the 21 yeah. one was 21 yeah. one was 12 i the, had the, the 12 had the uh, had no webbing in it yeah it was just i couldn't like a... hated that yeah well speaking speaking of which when we talk about the hockey shop i uh we it actually hadn't i had to leave for our jimmy howard interview to tease the feature interview for this week i actually had to leave the on ice session a little early so i didn't see them actually get it on the ice but you guys have probably seen that new glove that warrior has where instead of sort of where, where it's got sort of like a, a prefab webbing in it um, they actually had one of those on the ice testing it at the hockey shop uh, so what in is the Warrior weapon? glove. Um, and what was interesting about it is they liked the way the puck stuck, but there's no give in it. So literally felt like the... And, and this isn't something that's going to be in the next model. This is just R&D that Warrior's doing. So like, don't panic. They're not going to change this. But their feedback was, and the guy's feedback was, that it hits that, that webbing because there's no give. Even though it sucks the puck up, it actually snaps your hand back more than other oh. gloves were. So as part of that testing and that process with Warrior, it's interesting to see that, you know, they were getting some feedback from the guys at the hockey shop and fascinating to see it too. And, you know, to be honest with you, Hutch, I, I had it on my hand. I checked it out, you know, um, and I was sort of playing with it, but I didn't look closely enough and, you know, frankly don't have a degree in materials. So I, I can't How tell you How much closer exactly do you need to be than it's on your hand? 
Well, I just didn't know what the material is. You don't That's need a gr- degree either. Like, you compare it to something. Is it the know. plastic it's... that holds your no, pop I, cans like it, together? No, it was or... material. Like, it was material. It just didn't have a lot of flex to it. So, uh, thin. It was thinner. Like, a, like a, a thin webbing. But it's funny because you look at it and you think it might be stretchy. It actually looks like it might have some elasticity or stretchy properties to it, but it really doesn't. So... Um, you know, I don't have the full details on it. I mean, give them credit. I think Goalie Gear Nerd had the first pictures on the Instagram account of, of that new, you know, that new glove webbing that they were, again, not putting in the glove, but experimenting with. But it was kind of cool to see one on the ice and to hear the feedback from the guys who were actually trying it. You know, they, they, the feedback was, hey, I think there's something there. You just need to allow it to have a little more give than it does right now. Because, you know, if you're noticeably feeling how much more your hands being pushed back when pucks end up in the pocket. And again, the good news is the puck stayed there. But if you're noticing that, is that your first impression? That's, that's probably not a good sign. Now, you know, um, the one other side of this is we were one, one end of the rink was goalies. The other end of the rink there, they had some really high end shooters that work there, you know, taking photos of the latest in sticks and other technology. So you had some guys that could chuck it that were, that were tossing the puck in on them. So, Interesting, though, to hear that feedback and interesting, again, you know, to see that there's R&D out there, new things being developed. The Bauer Hyperlite pad is loaded with new sort of developments, um, three or four real main points that we'll get to when closer to launch time. And just cool to sort of get to be around as these guys test it out for the first time. Every time I think you're winding down, I take a breath to talk and then you crank it back up. Uh, can you guys... Got a lot of coffee just, today. Woody, can you, can you describe what we're talking about with this pocket the best you can. I know you didn't have a close enough look at it. Like it almost looks like it's funny because it almost looks like lace from a, from a distance when I look at the, but I don't, I don't actually. Yeah, but I don't it's a bizarre actually, trend since people want skate lace because it's got more give. Is that why you use skate lace? I think. Yeah. The feel thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's two, two things. One, it's got more give. Uh, so it's got a little more flex and the idea is it's got a thicker surface area and more give and that combination will reduce the spin on a puck on a heavy shot and more likely to keep that in the pocket through that combination of surface area. Cause when we, when you, you know, when you hear heavy shot, what my understanding is of a heavy shot is a shot with more spin on it. And that's more likely to pop out of a glove unless you catch it perfectly in the pocket. And the idea of even if you get it perfectly in the pocket is that that one has, um, with more spin, again, more surface area, more stretch, more ability to take some of that spin out and hold a heavy shot in a pocket of a glove, even if it doesn't go perfectly into it. Those are the ones, the heavy, the ones, the spinners, the heavy ones, those are the ones that you feel because they kind of stick to you a little longer because they're spinning and they, they, they leave a little more rubber behind. They're also the ones that tend to, Leave that, you know, that distinct smell of burning rubber when you take one off the mask. Alex Ald has some great stories of, yeah, he had one that off the jersey that actually burnt a hole in, in his jersey and he could smell it like the burning rubber. And then the next day when they, they showed him the laundry, it actually burnt a hole in the jersey. Wow. I just think skate lace looks better too. Looks There's cool. There's that. Yeah. 100%. And, I'm, and Hutch and I are very vain. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. We are, we are two of the most uh, fashion-conscious uh, mirror people in the world. And I have Aren't nothing to be vain about, so how is that? We are, we are very uh, <laughs> vain. 
so ho- hockey, uh, the hockey shop, the hockey shop.com source for sports, Surrey, uh, all your equipment uh, needs, including neck protection. And we won't get into the whole dangler thing, but, uh, neck protection, uh, Woody, if you can tee up uh, what you guys do with camp. Yeah. We just basically walk through all the different options. Some are BNQ certified for minor hockey. Some are not, some are a little narrower profile. Uh, Vaughn, for example, makes one that is BNQ certified, a little taller profile around the neck and one that isn't. And that's basically means it has a skate proof layer to it, skate proof element to it. Um, so we go through all the different models, including a new one from Aegis. Uh, that was designed in part uh, or in coordination or consultation with our friend John from the Goalnet account uh, at, on Instagram. And that's one that I've actually tested for a long time and really like. Uh, they use D3O in there. Um, and I just find it to be like I've taken some, I've taken some wearing that that I know if I was wearing my old, you know, standard stock, you know, thin, non certified Vaughn, I would feel or I'd have, you know, I'd be, taking vanity pictures in the mirror to show off my bruises yet to have a bruise in this one from ages. So we walked through all those lines, including that new one with the D three O in it, uh, with cam at the hockey shop. It's neck protection. As we visit the hockey shop, the hockey shop.com source for sports Surrey on in goal radio, the podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by the latest and the greatest. And Cam, we're going to talk a little neck guard here. Um, we're going to talk multiple neck guards here once I get you to stop laughing. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I got nothing. Wow. <laughs> trying to make you feel good about yourself, my friend. It's all about self-confidence. Uh, speaking of self-confidence, I got to say, when I'm wearing this neck guard, and we're going to get through all of them, um, I got a ton of confidence because I've taken some absolute clap bombs off this thing. Uh, and, you know, me, I normally like close my eyes and pull everything back and away from the puck because I suck, which exposes my neck. This thing is really protective. Uh, let's walk through all the different models. Maybe we'll end with this one, Cam, because it's a newer model, not by a brand that a lot of people will recognize. Let's start with what you're wearing. Bright red, fashionable, from Vaughn. What are some of the different models and some of the different options in terms of certified, non-certified? I'll turn it over to you. Walk us through your area of expertise in next neck protection. All right. So what I'm wearing right here is the Vaughn SLR uncertified neck guard. Uh, and what that means is, and we'll cover that really quick. So certified, a B&Q certified neck guard as required by minor hockey means that there's ballistic nylon sewn into the actual neckline of the, the neck guard itself. What that will prevent against is uh, skate cuts. Um, it needs to have that stamp right there to be B&Q certified. Why we have neck guards that are uncertified and things like that, I'll kind of cover here. For starters, with this SLR neck guard that I was wearing, again, it doesn't have that higher neckline and doesn't fully wrap around in the back, so it's an uncertified neck guard. For me personally, because I'm not playing minor hockey anymore, I don't need to wear that. Um, I choose to wear actually uh, one of the player turtlenecks that does have the P&Q certified neck guard um, in it. So at least I have kind of some sort of slosh guard protection there. But for me, I've always kind of hated the feeling of something being like wrapped around my neck. So um, this is a little bit more open, still allows my good freedom of movement, but I'm still getting good collarbone protection um, overall from the actual neck guard itself. And not something to be uh, misconstrued here a little bit. Some do provide good overall neck protection, which we'll cover in a second. But if you're really concerned about the overall neck, wear a dangler. Um, that's going to give you the most protection overall. Um, 
I'll be honest, I'll be one of the first ones to say that I don't wear one. Oh, so I was just going to say, you like immediately went into Darren Millard's good books when you said wear a dangler and told everyone to wear a dangler. And then the follow-up is I don't. As a common theme in the entire world right now, don't do what Johnny don't does. Okay, gonna, take a second to comprehend yeah, that. I'm not a, a second. Yeah, you can almost see like the little wheels turning in my head. Um, okay, so certified, non-certified, different yes. options within different models. Correct, yeah. So now, basically what is an identical neck guard, this Vaughn 7000 neck guard um, actually has that B&Q um, certified uh, wraparound. Um, good example, NHL call-up to this is too grass. You can see this one sitting every time you get a shot of uh, his upper torso and, and face and whatnot. You can see this one sticking out. This is exactly what he's wearing, um, although it might be modded a little bit. Who knows? Um, that said, um, very well-selling neck guard for us. Basic, but it gets the job done. It has that B&Q, which you need for that minor hockey. It's still got that good collarbone protection. Little, little higher profile in terms of like a little thicker neck protection, not right. just the, the, the different material, but a little thicker neck protection than the non-certified bone. Correct. For those that are watching, you can really see how much higher it comes up on me versus uh, that first one that I was wearing. Those that are listening, it's coming basically right up to just below my chin. So um, again, good coverage, good protection, a great option to kind of start you off the bat, but we do have more options. I was going to say, I introduced you as a neck expert. What I didn't want to say is, is because you have, you talked about it coming up to your chin. I was going to say, which one? Oh, Chet, I was, well, you really say I was sticking my neck out there for you and you just ran over me. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> little, ho little holiday, little extra, little extra stuffing at the holiday dinner, eh, bud? Uh, a little extra stuffing. It's Vulcan season, Kevin. All right. Bauer. Very comfortable neckline to this one. Not as thick in comparison to the Vaughn. Um, quite a bit wider. And this is just the Bauer Supreme model. The Bauer Supreme line. Yes, exactly. BNQ certified. Correct. Um, quite a bit wider in terms of collarbone protection um, as well. It almost wraps around basically to my shoulders in particular. Again, just giving you that upper padding. Nice stiff neck guard, especially for that padding, integrating their poron into it. Um, and yes, BNQ certified. Softer neckline really allows for an ease of neck mobility on it too as well uh, without that kind of, uh, again, like choking out feel. So it's got the padding around the front, but that B&Q and that higher profile, it's not padded, folks. So it, it, it's a lot more flexible. It's a lot of just material wrapping around the neck to protect you from that skate cut, um, but still allow that range of motion in terms of the neck and no interference. Much wider across the shoulders. Just that, you know, actually, uh, I, to be honest with you, first time I've seen it and, and immediately, despite the fact that I talked about um, the model I'm wearing being the one I use, uh, I look at this and I'm like, that's that's one I'd like to try, especially with the poron built in, especially with that protection through the through the collarbone area. It looks like a really nice model. Again, another one that's a really good seller for us as well. So, uh, but again, as goalies are, as my myself, I like options. Brian's optic neck guard, nothing too fancy with this guy. Uh, what makes it uh, stand out a little bit on the wall? Non-certified neck guard, but very flexible um, with the segmentation that they've offered into it. So again, in terms of integrating it with your chest and mobility-wise, it's going to help to move with you and not against you or shift or slide and things like that. A nice high neckline still and a pad neckline with this one, even more so than some of the other uncertified neck guards that we showed kind of just previously. Uh, this one does kind of come all the way up to my chin, so it's a bit taller in that neck for sure. Uh, that said, I still don't feel restricted by it by any means. Um, good level of protection, another great option. Second to last is the one I'm wearing. The Aegis. The Aegis. See, and the reason I didn't use, I couldn't, I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. So I let you lead. So everyone's like, he's been talking about this neck guard five minutes that he's been wearing, and yet we don't know what it is. So this is the Aegis model. 
Um, the goal net, our friend John at the goal net was, uh, involved in designing this one. He sent us, they sent us an early sample, uh, has the D3O built in. You can see the orange in it, the call out with both the, in terms of the label and the logo, but also you can actually see the D3O in it. Um, it's, it's, it does have a thicker neck in terms of, uh, the, the piece that wraps around the front. If you wear it tight, some people have talked about you know, maybe it's sitting too high and, and restricting mobility. I just wear mine a little looser and find that I'm, I have no problems with that. Uh, but one of the interesting things is you can actually take that piece of foam that lines the front of the neck, you can actually take it out of the sleeve and trim it and cut it to a more contour shape that allows you to move your neck. So it's removable, it's washable. Um, much like we talked about Bauer having the pour on in it. What I love about this model is the fact they've integrated uh, um, uh, you know, a higher end foam, an impact absorbent foam like D3O. And like I said, I've taken some absolute knocks with this thing and yet to leave a mark. The only time I ever felt one is there is a bit of a gap in between the seams, uh, especially on the earlier, mo the earlier model I had, it looks, feels like they've tightened it up here and I caught a puck that you know, went right in that seam and left a little mark, but you know, we've all been there. It's just part of being a goaltender. You just get absolutely black and blue on the collarbones. Um, I've taken some that in the past with wearing this that I know in past models would have left me black and blue and didn't wearing this model. It is a bit of a bigger unit uh, in terms of profile and fit, but a lot of protection here. What's been the feedback on your end? Obviously, I shared my experiences. Yeah, so I mean, you, you, you touched kind of a couple of really important topics. Like well, one of the things that you can really say about this neck guard, it was designed by goalies for goalies. Um, with especially a feedback of, of quite a few prominent, uh, you know, influencers as well as retailers. Uh, as well as to what, you know, specifically we're hearing and what's needed in the market, especially for net guards. Uh, and yeah, the biggest thing is in that impact protection. Um, as being one myself, it's taken a hard one, especially into that like special area in between your mask and, and annual in between that chest guard right up into there. You know, you, that, that impact resistant foam, the tried, proven and tested D3O in there um, is really going to help to make that difference in terms of, you know, whether or not you're just shaking it off and moving on to the next shot or you're down for the count for a while. And let's be honest, I am a total drama queen. Uh, anybody who's played with me knows that uh, down for the count is pretty much twice a game for me minimum, whether it actually hurts or not. It's usually uh, after you get scored. Well, then I'd be down for the count all night. But with this model, I am less of a drama queen because I can't feel it. Amazing. There you go. Drama queen approved. We got we got one more before as much as I'd love to end on Drama Queen Approved, which I, I pretty much had coming after taking a shot at your multiple chins. Um, integrated CCM with the shirt. Walk, walk me through this one and, and what makes it special or different. We can see that you know it's got your traditional sort of protection in front of the neck in terms of foam, but then also B&Q certified around the neck, more of like a fabric that 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 cut proof fabric around the neck as opposed to a really high profile um with the the foam layer itself correct so this guy here um a lot of extra strength i might as well just put it on because it'll help to exemplify the coverage and kind of what it's going to do for you here as you can see uh it's a little bit of an extra like overall layer and whatnot but wraps around a lot of extra chest plate protection too as well so especially for those shots and absorbing them you have a little bit of an extra layer for coverage um, neckline covers quite well, nice stiff padding. You can actually hear that knock, and I'm sure it's still quite audible. Um, again, the B&Q neckline still kind of comes up. It's quite soft, too, as well. So 
Um, especially if you don't like some of the more irritating like arenate materials and things like that, that that are used. This one's quite soft, doesn't bother my neck at all. Um, feel protected, feels like I'm wearing a really small muscle shirt. <laughs> this is kind of like I was going to say, like, like, to be honest with you, like, like, forget the neck protection. Take that neck protector on. This is pretty much your Saturday night shirt, isn't it? It's going out. This is yeah. what, yes. So, so if you would like some advice on what neck model, what neck protector might fit your game, fit your style, fit your preferences in terms of mobility, um, do you recommend if people can come in store, would you have them put a helmet on, a mask on? Maybe in non-COVID times, have them put a mask on and see how it moves? Yeah, you, actually a couple different things. You can throw on a chest pad too as well, throw on what you're wearing, see how it integrates and stuff like that. Most of the time, this is a bit of an autopilot category where you, know, you come in, you look, you buy sort of thing, but it is worth trying on and testing, especially if you have the time. Um, especially if you're looking at something different from what you've worn in the past, um, just see how it feels, how it integrates. Cause this is one of those products that, you know, again, once you use it, you can't return it. So you want to be, you want to be sure. So. Okay. And, uh, if they've got any questions cause they can't come in or if they're from out of town and they want to ask you about it, make sure you check out all the reviews at the hockey Cam, where can they get a hold of you for, if they got some personal questions. They can be call at 604-589-8299. And the 1-800 number? 1-800-567-7790. Cam, how do you not know this yet? Get it together. Hutch is getting tired of saving you. Hutch keeps bailing you out. Eventually, we're going to, you know, like, that's not going to be funny anymore. It's just going to be incompetent. So we're going to have to get you to actually do some homework. That is one of the more individual pieces of equipment, it just whether it's uh, breathability, whether it's protection for the clavicle area, as well as the neck. Uh, there's a lot that goes on with the neck protection. You could also just wear a dangler and, uh, and really uh, make sure that you're, you're covered. But you should probably have both. Not all of us. Or not both. all of us. Or, or both. both. Or both. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Next time you go out, dangler and neck protection? I'm probably just going to stick with the neck protection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, do as we I, I say. I don't have either. I don't have either just to make you feel even better. That's why I'm You're so happy now. every You're every day now. that we, we get together and we record this week's version of In Goal Radio, the podcast, episode number, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm always just very happy that the two of you guys show up because I know that you haven't taken any type of uh, shot to the neck and you're not in the sidelines. Well, I mean, you don't have, really have to worry in Hutch's case about getting hit in the neck when you're so old that you still make skate saves and stand up the whole time. <laughs> it's less of a risk. We we will get into the the Lexan guards because they've they haven't changed in about forty years, and you could take one from thirty five years ago, put it on, and it wouldn't stand out. as it's the one piece of equipment that wouldn't really stand out as oh, you're using a piece of thirty five year old equipment. That oh. that is out of this world. Okay, and so maybe we need to reinvent the wheel, and then maybe you know you know how me and Hutch we like our innovation and our new latest and greatest yeah. stuff here at Ingles. Maybe we need to find the latest and greatest in in danglers and throat protection to get us on board. But interesting you say that, because I remember we had a conversation with Ryan Miller. This is just a couple of years ago, talking about how you could say the same thing for masks. And this was on the eve of companies like Bauer and CCM sort of starting to change that game by adding new impact-absorbing foams, doing the type of research, changing some of the, even some of the shell construction, but mostly just going with foams that would help absorb some of the impact. As Miller said, like most of these masks are just, 
know, we're in the NHL and we're it's they're lined with the same foams that we've had for over 30 years. It hasn't changed. And that was at a time when we were seeing some issues with in terms of head protection and, and shot impact. So, um, you know, sometimes those things take a little while to get going, but I think you can, you know, as we've done over the years here, applauded the efforts of the companies that are trying to find ways to make them more protective at all levels, right up to the NHL. Okay. So we missed the boat on the, uh, on that, on the foam, but we can still nail it with Alexa. I'm telling you like a little bit of tint, a little bit of sizzle, something different. We can still, we can still really dominate the world with that. C- custom graphics? Cocktail napkin design. Yeah. Hutch. Oh, you, you are, Hutch, you are a cocktail napkin designer for sure. <laughs> like when it comes to R&D. I can yeah. see it written all over your face. You think so? All right. Well, yeah. we'll see what we can come up with. I don't know. I listen. Wheels, we trust. The wheel's been around for a while too. You can't reinvent everything. <laughs> <laughs> listen, we had one of our best mass contest submissions was the person that submitted the one that had True. a dangler on it and tied the design of the dangler into the design of the mask, made it all one big piece. So maybe maybe there you go, Darren. Maybe that's the next step. Custom danglers that integrate into the design of the mask and make that a coordinated effort. Hutch is just shaking it. his head right now. He's like, you idiots. There <laughs> is no limits to the imagination. Uh, and that's sort of where, where Sense Arena VR comes in. Like no limits when it comes to technology, integrating with training and making sure that you are ready. And Sense VR continues to be our presenting sponsor of the feature interview this week, uh, chatting with Jimmy Howard and Sense Arena VR. Whenever I see the Instagram posts, I just light up to see what exactly is coming my way. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? And you talk about innovation. Uh, this is game-changing innovation. And everybody I speak with who's tried the Sense Arena uh, is really thrilled with with their experience. And one of the things I think that gets forgotten sometimes, guys, is, uh, you know, it's not just a system for uh, doing goalie drills um, virtually, but it's actually got in uh, like one fourth of the drills that are are in it are uh, sort of neurocognitive drills. And, and I know right now uh, goalies have all sorts of different products coming their way as uh, things they can be doing off ice to improve and, and, and a lot of great things out there today. Uh, for improving the their neurocognitive system, but what there's is that, a lot of, by the way, for those well, that you know, it, it, it it's beyond just visual training, but your ability to uh, track multiple objects in space, uh, to react to items as they come up, um, to, I well, for example, today I uh, was working on Sense Arena, and they've got a drill built in there where you actually have to solve a little math problem. Uh, which will tell you which shooter is about to uh, be releasing the puck next, and that stresses, um, you know, your your mental acuity as you're uh, doing this drill, and it it release increases the challenge level, presumably because you're having to read and and you know not literally calculate, but but deal with multiple multitask, multi sensor sensory uh, input, and so you know it's got that, it's got um, it's got uh, that old traditional light board that has been around for twenty years, where you're you're whacking on various lights in your peripheral and your central vision as they come on. Um, they've got the, uh, the, the multiple object in space tracking, and then they've put their own sort of twist on them so that, uh, so that you've got, for example, the light board, there's a, a, a screen sort of comes in and out. That's things that you can only do in the virtual space that you're not able to do uh, in the real world. So, you know, there's a lot of really um, interesting and, and new, new things that I'd never seen before. Uh, that they've created as well. So I think the fact that this this can replace more than just that 
that training that you're doing on the ice and it can replace the the training that you're doing off ice today already as well so all sorts of different options in there for sense arena our experience and our experience talking to uh NHL and junior goaltenders have used this is that uh, you use Sensorina in the morning and you see a difference in the afternoon on the ice with your tracking. Um, I think I mentioned this last week. Uh, one, one goaltender saying it's like a cheat code using Sensorina. And that, that was, was your a, son. Was it? Yeah. Well, there you go. So he, he cheats all the time, but it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, and, but, you know, sim- similar things we've heard from a lot of guys yeah. about that ability for it to, to track on the, on the ice. So um, we've been thrilled by our experience with uh, Sensorina Darren, as have, as have all our testers. And I uh, look forward to getting it in your hands soon as well. Brain training is what you're looking for, Darren. Neurocognitive. It's basically brain training. It's a way to train your brain to function at a higher level that's related to the processing we do in goal. Um, and, and, and one guy who I the, can... Yeah. To the, to the visual and the multi To the physical. It's... One of the goalies that we've talked to, and we're going to have more from him next week leading into a little tease here. We'll have a, we'll have a little Sense Arena special coming up here at Ingoal Radio and, and on IngoalMag.com. Wow. And one of the guys who I don't even know if we're allowed product, to say that, but Woody's throwing it out there, so what the we're heck? We're not allowed to say that, but it's still we're still teasing it. I, yeah. That's the best tease ever. Yeah, see, so, but one of the guys that I've talked to recently about how much he loves this program is Eric Comrie, who just got his first win with the New Jersey Devils. Eric has been in quarantine three times this year. Thank goodness he has Sense Arena to help him train every time he's stuck in a hotel room. And it's funny because he really does swear by it. And we'll have him on to talk about some of the things that he really loves about it. But the other thing he loves, he likes throwing it on people that aren't goalies and watching them get lit up. Guess what? Life's a little tougher when you're between the pipes, boys. If you guys uh, picked up first wins or first wins in a while. Uh, Eric, first one in, I think, three seasons, although, you know, obviously not many opportunities to start in there. Uh, Stuart Skinner, first NHL start, first NHL win for the Edmonton Oilers. Billy Huso with his first NHL win for the St. Louis Blues. And Jake Ottinger had his first NHL win in his first NHL start, not appearance. He had a couple of relief efforts in the bubble, but his first NHL start, first NHL win for the Dallas Stars. And uh, last I checked, he was looking pretty good in his second NHL start tonight as well. And from there, we go to a guy who's uh, done picking up wins. He's uh, hung up his skates and put his blocker and glove on the shelf. It is Jimmy Howard, a career spent with one team. We catch up with the former Detroit Red Wing about uh, breaking into the National Hockey League with a dynasty and finishing with a team that uh, is full of management that used to be his former teammates. How cool is that or different is that? And a whole bunch in between. It's Jimmy Howard on In Goal Radio, the podcast, the feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR. Okay, so here we are, the week of the decision. How long, Jimmy, had you, how long did you know this was coming? When did you make this decision and what, what brought you to that point where you knew it was time to retire? Uh, it was about the... If I remember correctly, it was either the end of the first week of December, beginning of the second week of December. And I was out on the ice working with my goalie coach here locally in, the, in Detroit that, uh, you know, I had during the offseason. And I was getting hit by pucks. And I was like, this is just not any fun anymore. Like, I don't want to be hit by the puck anymore. <laughs> so that was probably, 
you know, a telling sign that it was probably time that if you don't want to get hit by a puck anymore, what makes you think you're going to go out there and, you know, compete against these guys, you know, night in and night out and be able to make saves. How much do, I mean, such a weird season for the guys that are playing the, even last year, the bubble, um, such a weird environment. Just a, it's, it's a tough time in the world for a lot of people. How much did that play into it for you? Like if this had been a normal September and a regular three month off season, might it have been a different decision? I think it, it probably would have been a different decision. I think it would have been a lot more difficult decision to make. I mean, I think I was able to, you know, since we were just ended abruptly, at, you know, the second week of March, and then, you know, everything just sort of dragged on. Uh, you know, the, the off season was just so long that, uh, you know, I, was, I think I was able to process everything, you know, internally. You know, there wasn't like, uh, there wasn't really a set date of when the season was going to start when, you know, I started thinking about more and more retirement. Do I really want to move away from my family? Do I really want to move away from, you know, my four kids and my wife and live in a bubble for six or seven months? Like, is it at the end of the day, is it, is it really worth it to, to chase a dream of holding the Stanley cup up over your head again? Like, is, is it really worth chasing it? Like, uh, for something that may never even happen. Now, the kids coaching, coaching yeah. your son's hockey. I'm yeah. guessing that would have probably like, cause instead of the regular September, how camp starts now you're at home because there is no season and you get yeah. a chance to be a part of all those things that you haven't had a chance to be a part of taking the kids to school, picking them up sports, minor hockey, things like that. How much are you I, how, coach Jimmy Howard? How are you liking that title? I'm cherishing it. I love being home, um, you know, being the dad, you know, obviously it was, it was challenging at first trying to find my way around the household because my wife and the kids, like they had the routine, like of me, you know, constantly being gone all the time. So, you know, they, they knew what to expect me. I, I was just, you know, sort of hit the ground running there, you know, in March and everything was shut down. But, uh, um, you know, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed being able to, you know, coach my kids, uh, you know, I'm actually the head coach now of James's, my oldest son's, uh, AAA team and, uh, one of the assistants with, uh, you know, Henry, um, out here in Michigan. So it sort of filled my hockey void. Like I'm at the rink still, you know, five, six, seven nights a week with them. Um, you know, and I really enjoy teaching these kids. I love teaching them to the point where, you know, it just goes off in the their brain and it clicks and they're like, oh, like that's, uh, you know, I find that, uh, you know, really uh, rewarding that, uh, you know, I'm able to, you know, give these kids, you know, knowledge that, uh, that I've grown up, uh, you know, being able to get from all the great coaches that, you know, I've had over the years. Yeah, and that's a, that's actually a pretty hefty list, hey. <laughs> like if you look yeah. at the, some of the guys that you played yeah. for, but it gives you your hockey fix, and you don't have to get hit by pucks. Like that's there you go, right? It's a win-win, right? It's a win-win. You know, I'm able to, you know, still work with the the little goalies out on the ice, but uh, you know, at the same time, I'm not putting the gear on and, and going out there. And you know, it's kind of nice to be able to wake up now. It's February first, and not just have to roll out of bed. You know, to be able to bounce out of bed, stand up, and not your whole body hurts. It's a, it's a good feeling. Now, uh, James, Henry, nine and six, or have we got any goalies in the family? And if the question inevitably comes, Jimmy, dad, I want to play goal. What's the answer? No problem. Or what? Like, cause I've heard, we've heard different ones over the years. 
I, I, I don't have any goals. James and Henry are both forwards. I told them, uh, <laughs> I tell them maybe a couple of years ago, I was like, there's more money in scoring goals. <laughs> so I uh, actually brought them down um, both times when they both said they wanted to be goalie. I brought them down in the basement and uh, um, Sky Hughes, uh, Von Rep. Uh, gave me some, you know, little kids, uh, goal equipment and, uh, I put them in the net and I grabbed the ball and I just started ripping it at them. I was like, you still want to be goalie? And they're like, nope, I'll play out. So, uh, yeah, they both, uh, you know, both good, you know, little skaters. So it's, it's fun to watch them. Now, other goalies on the team, obviously, do you find yourself drawn to the position at all? I mean, at the age of nine, how much coaching are you doing? Is it just little things? Cause I guess in a long-winded way, what I'd like to ask is we've seen this shift towards, you know, on James's team, you you know, is there a full-time goalie at nine? Is that a good thing in your mind if there is? Or because we've seen a lot of coaching at a, at a very young age for goaltenders, a lot of goalie-specific stuff at a very young age. And I'm curious what your background was when you first started playing goal and how you sort of see that shift. Are there positives? Are there negatives? Coming at it from this angle now, what do you see? Uh, well... I guess I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I started when I was playing that when I was six years old, six or seven. So, you know, for me, uh, their first year squirt. So that would be Adam, I believe in Canada. If I, if I remember correctly, they, to be so, honest with you, they change names all the time. And because I don't have kids, I can never keep track. Yeah. Or I so don't have kids that play hockey. I should say they're two, like they're 2011 and 2014 are both my boys. So we'll go by birth here. Just the, all right. You know, save it. Simple. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as like goalie, like it, it's tough for me to say because when I was growing up, I, that's what I wanted to play. And that's what, uh, you know, I stuck with all the way up through. Now, did I still enjoy like skating out like every once in a while if I got the opportunity? Yeah. But for the most part, I wanted to be the guy that was, uh, you know, between the pipes, you know, stopping the puck. But, uh, um, you know, as, as far as style, like, uh, you know, our kid that, uh, that plays net for us, he is our, our only goalie. So he's our full-time goalie, but, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I do a lot of little things with him, you know, especially with, uh, skating, lots and lots and lots of skating, um, constantly telling him if you can't move in this stuff, then you're not going to be able to make saves, uh, you know, hand position, getting his hands out in front of him, because I feel like, you know, little kids, uh, um, they probably get tired a little bit easier and, uh, you know, those hands start creeping back in. So constantly on him, but, you know, with, uh, with hand position and, and lots and lots of skiing, you know, using his edges, uh, you know, to be able to move around that crease, because I, I believe, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's probably the most important part about being a goalie. I was just going to say, Jim Bedard is like, just if when he hear, if, if and when he hears this interview, he'll be smiling ear to ear because you did a lot of skating when you worked with him. With a lot him. of skating. A lot of skating. It wasn't always the same. The skating wasn't always the same as, um, as, as what other guys were doing. The skating that you did was, it was a lot more gliding, a lot more edge, a lot more drift. Like, can you... Like, did you see the comparisons between that and, and what other guys were doing? Or is that just all you knew when you were with the Red Wings in terms of that skating style? And, and how important was the work you did with Jim Bedard on that? That was that was all I knew pretty much because that's, uh, you know, who I was working with every single day during during the, during the season. Um, so all that skating that we did, uh, 
you know, especially with Babs wanting me to play at the top of the crease and the puck went in and I was in the crease. I was like, that's where you sink. You're sinking. That's the deep end of the pool. I don't know. It used to be what you always say whenever a puck would go in and I was in the blue, blue paint. So, uh, all I know, all I know how he is when you're out top of the crease in the white, the puck doesn't go in. When you're in the blue, it goes in. So it's important for me to be able to move around the crease. So I think that's why Jim and I, um, you know, constantly did a lot of, you know, skating drills, you know, where a lot of that was, you know, drifting, you know, in and out and, you know, getting to the top. How do you stop drifting? Honestly, like so many people do it and I don't know how, I've never heard of an answer on how people stop drifting. It took me, it took me a solid, uh, solid three or four months when I decided like, okay, I got to change my game here. I got to evolve. Like I can't just, uh, um, you know, continue to be so aggressive, you know, out at the top of the top of the paint. But, you know, where I played, it was sometimes I was, you know, like a foot, foot and a half outside of the crease. It was kind of old school, but, uh, you know, especially when guys were coming down the wing, but, uh, when it, it started, you know, middle, middle end of August, um, you know, with Sal where, you know, instead of having to be out at the top of the crease or, you know, being that far out, it was basically just stop heels at the top of the crease or middle of the foot. And that was it, you know, and like basically just allow the play to come to me. Stop moving so much, you know, stop playing everything over aggressive because these, these young kids that are coming into the league now are, you know, they're so skilled when you're playing that aggressive, they just pass around you pretty much. Like they're, they're able to make these plays. So I was just trying to be more, I guess, a lack of a better term, being patient, just standing there and letting the play, um, you know, come to me. Would you have to anchor your feet? Almost feel like you're, you're putting down roots uh no i actually even with uh with everything i actually made my stance less uh less narrow like yeah i used to be very very wide like even when i was aggressive like i'd have a wide uh, uh stance space so i actually narrowed it and it allowed me to you know move you know more efficiently within the crease and i started you know after you know several games of you know making you know, saves where I just had my feet underneath me. I wasn't, you know, relying on, on my depth, uh, and reach and, you know, flexibility that where it actually, the game started to slow down for me a little bit where, um, you know, I wasn't rushing around in the crease. I was able to, you know, I was just concentrating and just getting to a spot in the crease where my body was between the middle of the net and their stick. And, you know, basically you know being patient on my edges in the narrow stance or narrower stance it's funny because i remember i can remember i remember getting asked who's the most aggressive goalie in the nhl and there was a period there where like everyone assumed that when they thought of aggressive they assumed like they thought like sprawling all over the place and that type of action but i there was a there was a stretch there where i used to answer you but it wasn't, but you weren't sprawling all over the place. It was just like you said, off the depth, like there was so much mm-hmm. depth off the rush and you were able to still move so well, despite being that far out and being that wide in your stance. Like what, 
once you started to narrow it up, did, did the game get easier? Like, cause to be able to do what you were doing was remarkable. And the ability to move from that was remarkable. Did it get easier physically to go the other way? Was it less work or it was less work? work. Cause sometimes I felt like, because I had, you know, shorter distances to move. So sometimes I got there and I'm like, I felt like I was almost waiting, waiting, waiting. Like initially, like when we first, you know, made the transition and I was like, wow, I like didn't realize how much time I could actually have here in the crease. But, um, uh, you know, it was just something that I felt like and, and Sal felt like if we shored up this thing, we might be able to tax on some, you know, a couple more years onto the career and it did, but, uh, uh, like it just, you know, when you're playing so aggressively and you're out of the top of the crease, like it's all, you know, it's a lot of timing, like, you know, to be able to move and everything and read that play, like developing, you know, so like sometimes you, you know, you have to see that play before it even develops to be able to get across. You know, when I got, you know, into the more narrow stance and, you know, took took a lot of the depth off and just played, you know, toes to heels, the top of the crease. Um, you didn't really have to see, you know, play developing, even though, you know, I did like, but you would, you'd have more time. Now, the other part of that time is, is being able to trust your hands. Mm -hmm. And you talked about it in terms of coaching the kids. Um, the two things you emphasize are the skating and have, having the hands out there. And I remember that's another conversation we had too. And again, even when you were low and wide, you were always able to, able to keep them forward. Always had good hands. Where, did, where does that come from? Like, was the, the hands forward uh, a teaching thing that, that you picked up along the way? Or is that just something that came from maybe even playing other sports, you know, when you were younger? Where did that, that importance of that balance and how did you keep it in your game as a sort of staple over the years? Well, I played a lot of baseball, um, you know, growing up until... I was 12 or 13 years old and then decided. What were you? What, what position? I uh, catcher, shortstop, and second base. <laughs> Makes <laughs> so, sense. All the fun spots, right? Out on the field, you get the most action. But uh, so uh, I played a lot of baseball uh, growing up. All my buddies loved playing baseball. So even in the summertime, when we weren't, you know, at Little League, we were still, you know, playing baseball somewhere else. So that's probably, you know, why I had such a good you know, glove hand, but, uh, you know, hands, hands out in front of me was always emphasized. Even when I was a little guy, when my dad was coaching, me, like, uh, you know, to have my hands out in front of me. And then when I, he finally was like, Oh, I can't do this on my own anymore. And he started bringing me to the goalie coach by the name of Barry Madigan up in Ottawa. He started to explain it to me why you wanted your hands out and everything like that. And it made sense because you're actually, you're cutting down the shooter's angle by having your hands out like that like the closer they get, the harder and harder it'll be for them to elevate it up over top of you. And I was always told it was so you could see the puck hit your hands and, and you could have control, but, but both, both reasons oh, yeah. make sense, both, right? Yeah, yeah. Both reasons. Like, yeah, yeah, be out there so you can watch the puck come into your blocker or into your glove. But also the biggest thing that sort of just stuck with me was like, you're actually cutting down the angle without even realizing it, especially uh, the closer they get in tight. I just want to loop back to this because uh, I know you guys were talking a little bit about uh, Jimmy Bedard and, and going through things with the, in those uh, middle of your career and early days. Did you like keeping track of the shots uh, on the bench? Because I've I've asked Ozzy about this and I know his answer. Uh, so I, I'm curious about you. It wasn't shots; it was face-offs. And oh. 
so annoying. It was so annoying. <laughs> it was the absolute worst. Oh, it was so bad. Because even if you didn't get him spot on, like, Babs was still up your rear end about it. Like, can't even chart the face-offs? Like, sorry. Like, sorry, I missed one. <laughs> My bad. I don't know if it's going to be the end-all, be-all to the outcome of this game. But, uh, uh, no, absolutely despise charting those face-offs for him. And then one of the things I missed pass the sticky note yes. down on every TV timeout. Like, oh, it was absolutely painful. I was just going to say, that's one of the things I miss about uh, Mike not coaching anymore is uh, when the when they show the head coach on the bench, seeing those yellow sticky notes uh, stuck to the back of the, the, the glass, knowing that's what that was. No, the best was when you'd hand it to him, you'd just crumple it up without even looking at it. Throw it. <laughs> <laughs> why? Okay, so tell me again why I'm doing this. Like, tell me again, why am I doing this? I've never, in all the times that I've, I've talked to, to Mike, I've never mentioned, and I, I, I don't know why, but I'm, next time I will. I mean, the guys hated that. Just whatever you do in the future, Mike, don't make your guys chart face-offs because they all hated it. Oh, every single one of us. Always <laughs> talk about it. What's the word? Charting the... Any close calls while you've got your head down doing That's that? That's another thing, like... You're not, I don't care who you are as a backup in the NHL, you're not wearing a mask while you're on the bench. Like, <laughs> and there's, there was one time I actually got hit with a uh, little blooper in, in Philly. I remember just taking the uh, clipboard and going down to the video guy and just chucking at him and said, you're, you're doing this. <laughs> so, yeah, Ozzy actually got a kick out of that. He got a lot of photos that night of me having to ice down the egg on my forehead. Ozzy said he would intentionally screw them up, so he, they stopped asking him. He still, I mean, even when he screwed them up, he still had to do them. I don't, like, the best was, Oz was the best because, you know, he had some call. I couldn't, I couldn't really say anything, but it didn't matter what time of the game it was or if we were up by a goal, we are down by a goal, and there was a face-off and it was late in the game and Babs would yell down to Oz, who should take the draw? And, like, probably most of the young guys, if it, you know, it wasn't Oz, like, on the bench would yell out, Pav or Z, but Oz would always yell out, Drapes! <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It was always Drapes. <laughs> oh, Dude, that's worth, it, uh, that's worth it right there. Uh, love yeah. it. Uh, Goaltending-wise, um, VH, RVH, like, what, was, what was the hardest thing to learn? Probably uh, for the reverse was getting that boot, that that skate to sit flush right on right on the post. That was probably the biggest thing. Is, you know, learning that when that first got introduced to me, like being able to bump post to post, I was like, "How do these guys do this?" Like I was like, I couldn't like. And then once you know, playing with the strings to be able to get my skate a little bit more flush to the ice. Um, getting rid of the, uh, the the strap that goes to the back of the uh, back of the skate, like we all had back in the good old days. Getting rid of that and having a little bit more ankle mobility, uh, you know, allowed to allowed for me at least. And it seems like it's working for everyone else to be able to to get in that position because it, it is an awkward position, and uh, you know, to have all that pressure on your hips and knees, you know, especially as you see, you know, younger kids. Uh, you know, try to get into it more and more is it's probably not the smartest. So, uh, 
um, you know, for me, it was just a lot of trial by error. Like I, like we would work on it every single day before practice and every single day after practice, because, you know, I was determined to, you know, to get it down, but, uh, you know, also I screwed it up a lot. So I had to work on it. That's funny. So toe ties, little gap in the toe ties so you could get in the post and then just ditch that bootstrap. It's all about relieving that tension. eh? And if you don't have the, I still see guys now, um, I won't name names, but there's a guy that's trying to change his right now and I'm watching it on the ice and there's no gap in the toe tie. And so your margin for error going into that post is almost nil. Yeah, you have none. Like at least with with the you know the tie there on, on the laces, like you can give yourself a little bit of leeway. But even then, it's still tough when you miss that post. Like it's tough to get out of. There's only one guy I know of really in the league that can get out of it by missing the post, and that's Tuka. And I still haven't figured out how he does it. Like how he's got his whole foot and half his pad inside of the net. I'm like, how does he even move out of there? Well, so see, we now we need to get Jimmy a subscription to InGoal Premium so he can see the article <laughs> on how Tuki uses shin on pad. You know, because it's funny because Bob Essens, of their goalie coach, told every summer he gets questions from other goalie coaches like, "Why do you let Tuka do it that way?" And he's like, "Because it is less stress in the body." And have you seen how good he is at doing it? Yeah, it's amazing how he does that. I still haven't figured out how he pushes off. I, I can't figure out how you guys do the the flipper like uh, with the with the skate up and you. you rotate towards the corner and then you rotate back like one like rotating back is, is easier but rotating out on your heel like and and you guys do it like crazy good and even and somebody that sort of understands the game you you can't the amount of athleticism and flexibility in your hip and uh dexterity and edge work is is crazy well i think it, that all has to do with your anchor leg because that's the anchor leg that's you know keeping you pushed into the poles so so long as you have that foot, um, you know, on that post, like that anchor leg that, you know, swivels back and forth, like that, that was the easy part <laughs> for, for me. Like that was actually, I was like, oh, okay, now I feel comfortable. I can get my body leaned up against the post and I can still have all this, uh, you know, all this weight still on my anchor foot because at the end of the day, when you're in the reverse, it's all about that anchor foot that's, you know, in control of the whole position there. Okay. We've talked about a little bit of technique. We've talked about some of your influences in terms of goalie coaches uh, from Ottawa and obviously Jim Bedard. And you mentioned Sal, uh, Jeff Saleko. Um, what about playing partners? Cause I mean, whether it was Ozzy or, you know, um, with Dom for a little bit there, even if it was just in camp in the early year, like where were some of the influences there? Anybody that jumps out where there was like, a real back and forth about the position and how you played it and you're picking up off each other over the years? Uh, watching, probably watching the Aussie in 08, 09 cup run. Um, you know, the year we won in 08, but also in 09, you know, watching him, but also watching Dom and how they prepared every single day and, you know, how, how much they just lived in the moment. Like, they never thought about the game or the practice until their gear was coming on. And yeah, like if you guys both have gotten probably the opportunities to probably talk to Ozzy, like we, we know how much of a different bird he is. So, um, and you know, Dom was the same way. I don't know how many times Dom burned, burned an English muffin at breakfast in the, in the morning at the, at the Joe, because he'd forget about it because he'd be off 
worrying about something else that had nothing to do with, with hockey whatsoever. So, you know, watching those guys and how, you know, they, they just sort of lived in the moment when it was time to play. Um, they went out and they did their jobs. So, uh, uh, you know, they never got, you know, too far in the future and they never really, you know, dwelled about the past. They just, uh, you know, went day by day and, and watching them for, or watching them in 08 do it. And then, you know, watching us again in, in 09, but coming up short was, uh, you know, very valuable. And, and me learning on, you know, how strenuous of a job this can be, but, uh, uh, you know, it can also be a lot of fun by, you know, just being, being in the moment. Were you good at that? Yes and no. I think I got better at it as my, uh, you know, career, you know, lengthened, but, uh, you know, at the beginning, like I, I probably had too many, too many vices that, you know, too many superstitions that I, that I had to go through where I felt like if it got knocked off that I wasn't going to play well, which is furthest thing from the truth. So, but, uh, um, you know, it was, but I was stuck in my way sort of. How, how do you shake that stuff? I just got to the point where I was like, this is like taking over my life. Like on game day, like I'd have to do like the same thing, drive the same route to the rink. It was like, I had to do all this like little nuance, like pain in the butt things where I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. So it was the 2015 or 2016 beginning of those seasons where I was like, enough is enough. Just got rid of all of it. Oh, you rinsed them all at one time? Did it all. Got rid of it. And I was like, enough. Like. I just, I, well, I just couldn't take it anymore. I just felt like it was taking over my life, like on game days. This is a personal question uh, and feel free. You don't have to answer it, but did you, did you lean on professional help to do that? Or did you just decide one day I need to be free of it? No, I actually uh, contacted uh, a sports psychologist that uh, we worked with um, once or twice before, like when, when I was at the U.S. program. Um, and Ann Arbor, uh, I gave him, you know, I gave him a call and was like, listen, I got to get rid of all this stuff. Like, what should I do? What should, what are the steps that, you know, I should do? And he's basically, you know, just gave me a couple of steps and, you know, and it worked for me. Like, I'm not saying it might work for everyone, but it just worked for me. You must've felt free or did you have more fun or was it a hard transition? Yeah. No, I had more fun. Like guys used to be almost nervous to talk to me, like on, on game days, because I had to feel like I had to get my mind, you know, starting, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, in the right frame to be able to play. It was, you know, it ended up starting just to be exhausting. So I felt like I was wasting so much energy, you know, to make sure everything went right, you know, during the day to be in order for me to play well, when really it probably, you know, had nothing to do with it. Now, did you, were there any that you brought back in, like even small ones, or was it just pretty much get my eyes and my body warm and I'm good to go? Yeah, it was basically just get my eyes and body, you know, warmed up and just go out there and play. Let your mind be free. Like, uh, you know, he brought, one of the big things that he did tell me is that I should probably take a lot more deep breaths during the games. He's like, how often do you think about just taking a deep breath? out there on the ice. I was like, 
Well, unless I'm breathing hard, not really. <laughs> I just got done with a five on three or we just got hemmed in the zone for two minutes. Probably not thinking about, you know, too often taking some deep breaths. But, uh, you know, one thing that he was like was like, be conscientious of how your body feels like after you take a couple of deep breaths out on the ice where, you know, in through your nose, out through your mouth, you know, right before the puck drop. And I started doing that. And for me, it just helped me relax more. Um, masks. You only played for one team, uh, one organization, original six. So uh, what was your thought process over the years? How much, how much did it change? I'm not all that artistic. So it was really, it was really up to Bishop designs. I'm not, I'm not that good on it. I would give him like some sort of way that I wanted to go, but for the most part, I just let him run with it. He'd show me a sketch and he'd be like, what do you think of this? I'd be like, looks good. Just fire it on there. And did you keep them all? No, I only have, I have two masks. Really? Yeah, that's it. All the rest have been, um, you know, obviously auctioned off for uh, charities. So I have two. I have the outdoor game from uh, when we're at the big house. Yep. And my Olympic mask. Good for you. Uh, you got those two. But but you wore a lot of hockey fights, cancer masks. Like me, you wore a lot of mm-hmm. uh, special edition masks as well. And you only kept two. That's interesting. Yep. Those are the only two that I have. What's the, when you look back on the career, like what's the, is there a moment? Is there a game? Like you mentioned that outdoor game. Is it your first game? Like what's the one that jumps out as the the memory that pops out first? The memory that pops up first is obviously playing in my first one against the LA Kings at the Staples Center all the way back in when, geez, 14 years ago. So I think it was November 2005. I think it was, or 2006, maybe, somewhere in there. But uh, obviously getting the 4-2 victory um, and, you know, just being able to be out on the ice. And back then, you know, Steve, Stevie was still on the team, Brendan Shannon, Chris Chelios, Nicholas Lidstrom. You know, you had Draper Malpe, Ozzy, like Brian Rafalski, like the list just goes on and on, like all these, you know, great players that – that were playing, you know, on that team. But uh, the one moment that sticks out the most of that game was before the game. Uh, Steve comes up to me and goes, "Howie, congratulations! Your first, for, this is your first of many, but you better not lose tonight." And that's my first hit me <laughs> like the butterflies. And this was right before we were going out for the uh, national anthem and you know started the game. So that's when the butterflies picked up. Now that was oh five oh six. You played four games with the Wings yeah. that year. Um, had you been to camps before that? I apologize no, for not knowing. I know you're at Maine, so I didn't know if you got a chance to go to any camps. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to, uh, back then the, uh, the NCAA rules were, were against that. So. Okay. So even in 05, 06, even coming to like, we've got a salary cap at that point. So it's not quite the same, but I've been in those locker rooms as a media guy. And I remember walking in and you look in your, all the forwards would be on the left and all the defense would be on the right. And it's like, okay, there's, there's the. Those are all future Hall of Famers. and Those are all future Hall of Famers. Still a lot of those guys left in 05, 06. What's that like going into that environment? Like you said, Iserman, Lidstrom, like the Chelios, the list just goes on and on, like all timers. Yeah. Like a rookie. 
And I even, I forgot to mention Z and Pap too. Like how can I forget about those guys? But like, uh, I realized that I was a small fish in a very big pond right away. Like, uh, I remember being on the ice in training camp and just being in awe and watching these guys and remembering like, Oh, I got to actually mix in a save here because everyone's watching up there. So, uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was just like, those were the guys that I grew up, you know, idolizing, like watching so much hockey as a kid. And now I'm in the same dressing room with them. It was just, it was just so awe shocking. So after they're done, it's unique because a lot of your teammates are still or came back uh, in, in management or broadcasting or the, the top job at, at, in Stevie. Was, was it different interacting with those guys? No, that's not at all. Um, you know, not really with any of the guys. I mean, obviously it's different with Steve because he is your boss. So, you know, that's different, you know, than, you know, last year being able to, you know, play a couple of games with them. But uh, that part's probably the most different because, yeah. But, uh, you know, everyone else, no, like it. That's great. All the same, yeah. Because every now and then I get intimidated by Woody because he's my boss and I knew him before. And <laughs> now he's my boss. And do I, do I, can I chirp him the same or can I, can I, can I? Beak him and and, yeah, and then no. I just don't. We yeah, still, you know, just like the boys in the room when when we see each other. So it's yeah, none of that. Now you 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 mentioned earlier before we started recording, you still love to watch. And you were said tell me what who do you like to watch most? What gets you up to still watch hockey? And you were a guy, you were a guy that watched when you were playing. Like on an off night in the season, if you were on the road, you'd tune in a game. Yeah, I would. Uh, I and I'm a hockey fan. I love the game of hockey. Like I love watching it. Love, you know. Still, even though I'm retired, I still love watching these guys to see what they're able to do. Because sometimes I'm just, you know, just a wow factor. Um, love watching the big cat down in Tampa, Andre Vasilevsky. Um, love watching Markstrom. Um, you know, now that even though he's in Calgary now, but uh, love watching him. Uh, Carey Price, Freddie Anderson, uh, Carter Hart, um, you know, just to name a few. Obviously, Tuca, you know, my buddy Tuca. So, love, you know, really love watching those guys, and especially if they're facing off against each other. What uh, What do you like about maybe a point or two from each one of those? Not through the whole list, but uh, a couple of those guys. Uh, well, we'll start, you know, right with. Uh, Vasilevsky, I mean, just his athleticism, you know, and his flexibility is uh, when you think he's down and out and then all of a sudden he makes a save. And you're just like, wow, like, how do you just do that? Like, you know, he kind of reminds, he's like the new version of Dom, the way he can make some of those saves. Uh, you know, Tuca, with his competitiveness, you know, people, I think that's one thing that people really don't talk about Tuca. A lot is his competitiveness. When he's in there, like, he's locked in. He's, you know, very, very competitive individual. Uh, you know, Kerry, uh, just like, I mean, he's just the gold standard of every single, you know, whatever goal he want, you know, wants to be, the way he's able to move in the net, the way everything just sort of looks so effortless. 
you know, it's fun to watch. Um, who else did I mention? Marsham. Same thing, sort of like, I just love his compete level, like when he's out there, like, uh, even though he's a, he's a big man, like, he, he just surprises you with his, uh, you know, athleticism. He doesn't just rely on, on being a blocking style goalie, you know. He's, he's got that big frame and that, but, uh, you know, he can still, he can still flash it around. So it's fun to watch him, uh, you know, and, oh, I mentioned Carter too. Carter just, just the, you know, to be 20 years old playing in the market like Philly, which can be, be rough, you know, on goalies and, uh, to see him and how he's, uh, you know, been able to handle that with, uh, with ease and, He's sort of at 20 years old to see that calmness, that that calmness factor that he has back there for that team is, uh, you know, something that's really special. Do you ever, I mean, I hear you talk about, about the position, about the game. I know you're loving coaching the kids. Do you ever can look at the future and see the possibility of being a goalie coach? Like, was that something, is that something you'd ever entertain or, or ever thought about? I haven't given that much thought really. Um, it would involve, I guess the other thing is you'd have to travel again. You'd be right back into that away from everything. Yeah. Like right now, like I, I just, right now I just want to spend time with, you know, my family and with my kids. Like, I feel like I've missed so much over the years, you know, especially with uh, my older boys, but uh, you know, I feel like I, right now I just need to, you know, make up some time. So not throwing anything off to the side or throwing anything onto the back burner, but uh um, you know, right now, just, you know, concentrating on them. Being able to go and like crack in a quick 18 is pretty good too. That's huge. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Come the spring. I can't wait for this snow to be gone. And, and just be able to go and do it and yeah. not have to worry about anything else. No, like drop the kids off at school. What do you need me to do? Oh, nothing. I'm going to play 18. So. <laughs> <laughs> You'll, you'll have new, instead of, you'll have different seasons. Now you have backyard rink, make your backyard rink season for the kids yeah. and then golf season. That'll be the transition for the future. Yeah. For the foreseeable future. Yeah. Good stuff. Jimmy, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks for letting me jump in, uh, like uh, 10 minutes into it. Uh, apologize for being late. Uh, I'll skate laps. So I'll do whatever your punishment you, you have come on my way, but, uh, good luck. Uh, good luck in the golf course. Uh, and, uh, You've always been great uh, around the rink, and uh, that's been my favorite part is being able to catch up with you after and uh, and say thanks for that part of it, and congratulations on an awesome career. It's been fun to watch. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. Drafted in 2003 in the second round, went on to start 523 games. How about this one? Faced 15,313 shots. That, that's just in a game. Never mind practices and warm up and everything else. They, they, 15,000 shots faced by Jimmy Howard in his career. I, I was, you, just one when you said just in a game, I thought, what did he play for the Canucks behind that defense? That was all in one game. <laughs> Whoa. Um, it's been a tough start here. What can I say, folks? Um, I think that's a. I think he has the Red Wings. I think about the history of the Red Wings. I think he actually has the franchise record for save, like the most saves in Red Wings history. I think that is Jimmy Howard. So faced a lot of rubber. Um, remarkable career. Not many guys get to say they do it with one team. 
and, and he can. And don't forget, this was a Red Wings team that, you know, they let their players, whether it was goalies or otherwise, sort of get overripe in the American Hockey League. That was the philosophy of, of the day for Kenny Holland was to leave these guys down there to make sure they had enough experience. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Clearly, it worked for a lot of years. But, you know, in today's era where guys that were ready got an opportunity to 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 get in there earlier, you, you know, that's a couple more seasons at least for Jimmy Howard in the National Hockey League. Four years in the minors. Four and full some, years. Yeah, and some good years down there too. So I remember hearing back at the time, because that's roughly when I was starting to cover things, at least, you know, get more in depth on goaltending about how he was ready and how a lot of people that watched him thought he was ready, but that wasn't the Red Wings way. That was a fun conversation though. Yeah, he's a good guy. Like all the all the numbers, all the accolades, all that. He's a good storyteller. Yes, and he does not like charting faceoffs. He was open <laughs> in ways you wouldn't think sometimes. So nice that he's retired now and he can share some of that with us. Uh yeah, uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, uh, guys. Uh, we have to uh, take a uh, a little bit of a, a pause here. We'll be back next week. Uh, I look forward to these catch ups uh, all week and uh, be able to. Just hang out and talk goaltending, make fun of uh, Woody a little bit, and uh, and pick the brain of of one Hutch. But uh, this is uh, this is the highlight of my week. Well, thank. Oh yeah, yeah, ours too. Oh, ours yeah. too. Thanks, yeah. thanks, thanks guys. Yeah. That was thanks. awesome. Thanks, thanks for making fun of me. I got, I got, I got a tease for you for next week. Oh Woody? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And this will be on the video on the simulcast too. Woody's getting a haircut. No way. Yep. You up? Uh, Can we film it? All gonna uh, go. It's pretty good. We'll see. I we'll think see. all it's, gonna I go. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm kind of getting attached to it. You know, once my daughter started braiding it for me, I thought maybe it was time. This is the. This will sum up uh, what what he looks like right now. There's a chance he might lose legitimate weight when he cuts this hair, and you can't say that about every haircut. Listen, but he th- th- there might be something there to this one. Once it's gone, I'm literally going to have to go and tighten my hats back up. Oh no no! You, right now, a toque for you is is a garbage bag. That that's a toque. That's there's so much hair on there. Uh, for Kevin Woodley, David Hutches, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks to Jimmy Howard for joining us on the Sense Arena VR feature interview, and of course, uh, really appreciate the relationship with the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, and Source for Sports Surrey. Enjoy the hockey, everyone. We'll chat with you next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Thank you.